Turn to James chapter 1 and uh, verse 19. We're in a study of James. If you haven't uh, been here, we've been talking about trials and temptations. And, uh, and today we're going to do um, talking about the word here. And let me start out with in verse 19 here. It says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This is a Father's Day message right here, amen? For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that so, is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word that's planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive, deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Amen. That's just a good word there. You know, uh, James is, is filled with... Um, a lot of things that we call prescriptive um, theology, and it's, um, it's prescriptive theology is when you hear it, you've got to do it. You know, it's something, it's a command, it's an imperative, it's something that you are, are told to do. Now, there's a lot of things, there's some things in the Bible that are descriptive, that describes a story, that um, it doesn't really mean there's a command, it just describes something. Just take the Old Testament story of Balaam and his donkey. You know, it's a descriptive story. It doesn't mean that you are supposed to go out and have a conversation with a donkey. And um, even maybe sometimes you do. But anyway, um, but it's, it's prescriptive. It's prescribing. And a lot of James is prescribing. But what's happening in our society today, we are taking the Bible more as descriptive than prescriptive. And uh, we're not taking it as commands. We're taking it, if we want to take it as a command... If it looks good, feels good to us, then we decide, oh, I'll obey it. But um, if it's too hard or not, it must be descriptive. That means it must be for somebody else and not exactly for me. And so what we do in this culture is that we try to get away from that. But I know on our church, you know, we hunger for the Word of God. And I know a lot of you, you are hungry for the Word. You want to know the Word of God. But my hope is, is that, that we don't just become listeners, that we become doers. Because we have, we have a culture, a Christian culture in America that loves to hear the Word of God. And in today's society with the Internet, you can get teaching 24 hours, 7 days a week. And a lot of times is what we'll do is that we will get teaching and we'll go on to websites, we'll go on to, we go to our churches, we go to our small groups, we, we have our own study, and a lot of times we listen, but we are not doing what is taught. We're not becoming, actually, what is taught. And then it really negates everything that we hear. Because if all we do is listen, we are deceiving ourselves. So many Christians will say one thing, many will actually preach and teach one thing, but they actually never do them. And that's a dangerous part, you know, that when you do that. As a teacher of the Word, the, the Bible's very clear that I'll be judged more because of what I teach. And I've got to make sure that I, not, not only that I'm, I'm teaching what is correct, but that I'm actually living it. I'm, 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 I'm going to tell you something. I won't teach something up here 
that I'm not living or at least trying to live. Now, I'm not perfect. You guys know that, right? Thank you for shaking your heads, yes. Every, that was 100%, you know? <laughs> but, but the whole heart is that we, when we teach something, that we're, we're doing it. When we listen some, to something, that we're doing it. So today, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you on how to respond to the Word, how to put the Word in action. The Word deserves your response. Isn't that right? It deserves your response. It is that holy, is that awesome, is that great, that when you hear the Word, you should respond to it. Not just in, in I like it, or in, in the amens, and that's good, but it should re, your response should be an action to it. And so I want to give you three ways on how to respond to the Word of God. Because the theme is over and over again in the book of James, especially in James chapter 1. He is show, showing us how to respond. A couple of weeks ago, he showed us how to respond in trials. How do we respond in trials? Last week, Lisa and I talked about how to respond in temptation. And that's what James is talking about. How do you respond in in times of temptation? And this week, he's talking about how do we respond to the truth? How do we respond to the truth of God's Word? So there's three ways we respond to the Word. Uh, Number one here is that you must receive the Word humbly. You must receive the Word humbly. So in verse 19, it says, Slow to speak, be quiet and listen, slow to become angry. So to listen humbly, not with our defenses up, that leads to anger. Let me, let me change that word anger. That leads to resistance to the word. I don't know about you. How many ever read something in the word and you resisted it? Raise your hand. I mean, yeah. In a sense that you resisted the word. You became angry in a sense to what was said in the word. And a lot of times we approach the word of God instead of listening to the word We approach the Word of God, maybe not verbally talking, but we're talking. We've already made up our minds on how we're going to live, how we're going to think. And and so when we get to the Word of God or we listen to a message or we, we study in the Word of God, if that Scripture count is, goes different than what we think, it count, is counter to what we thought or how we're living our life, we might not think that Word is just as inspired as some. So we don't do the Word in that way. And we don't humbly receive the Word. Or we begin to twist God's Word to fit our lifestyle instead of coming humbly, slow to speak, not with our defenses up, but and ready to listen. You know, the history of God's people is them resisting, listening to the Word of God in a way that's going to produce action. You know, the prophets in the Old Testament would speak the Word proclaiming the Word of God, and the people of Israel wouldn't listen to Him humbly. It's the way the people responded to Jesus. The, the Jewish people responded to Jesus when He came. They rejected Him. It was when Paul would preach um, to uh, the Jewish leaders, and they would, they would reject the gospel. They would, he would preach the Word in their synagogues, and then they would take Him out and stone Him. That's not humbly receiving the Word, by the way. So this is a picture of the the history of God's people. And it reminds us that there's a temptation every turn that we have. And every time we hear the word or we listen, that we study the word of God, we read the word, that there's a temptation not to approach the word of God humbly to listen to it. Because we'll read hard scriptures in the Bible. 
we'll read these hard scriptures and, and what we're thinking as we're reading or as we're hearing the word being taught, we're, here, we're thinking, how can I get around this? Right? How can I get around this word? Like um, Jesus said, sell all you have and give it to the poor. How can I get around that? Boy, you just really got quiet in here, huh? So how do we get around this word? And that's, that's what we do. We try to get around the word. Now, you've got to remember, the goal is not to get around the word. The goal is to receive it. And how do we receive it? And James says in verse 21, he says, get rid of all moral, filth, and evil that is prevalent. He says, get rid of. That literally means take off. Take off, like taking off your garments, that you take off the moral filth, the evil that's so prevalent. So what happens is, is that we bring so many ideas that are from this world, sinful ideas, selfish ideas to our study of the Word of God, to our listening of the Word of God. And he says, when you come to it, you've got to put these things off. How to humbly receive the Word of God and listen to the Word of God is to put off these ideas, these worldly ideas, and come to the Word with a blank check and say, I want to receive this humbly, and I want to listen to what God has to say. And a lot of times, this is where, especially in American Christianity, we see this, that we run to the Word, and we run a lot of times, and most of the time we're, we're running and studying because we're in trouble or because we need help. Now, in and of itself, the word is for that. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that, that's for that. But if that's all you do, you build up this selfishness about the word. Where you think you need something and you go to the word of God or you Google something and you try to find a preacher that's preaching on it and you, and you try to listen to it because that's what you feel you need. It may not be what you need at all. And to humbly come before the Lord and, and receive His Word is to say, Holy Spirit, you lay down your Bible, direct me and lead me in where you want me to study and what you want me to hear. Come to the Word and just say, God, here, I, I, I have these needs. You know my needs. But you lead me in what I should study. Try it out. It's a struggle not to ask or try to find something in the Bible that is concerning your need. Just sit there and allow the Lord to lead you. Because there may be something you need, but it's not what you think. And that's why we need to come humbly before the, the, the Word of God and receive it. If we don't, then we are the ones who are directing our study and our learning. Who is supposed to do that? The Holy Spirit. See, remember... How do you take joy in trials? Who, because God is your goal. When you come to the Word, who's your goal? Your need or God? God. So we are, when we hear the Word, when we listen to the Word, and when we study the Word of God, God is our goal. So we humbly accept the Word that's been planted in us, and we receive it and say, God, my, my whole point of going to the Word is not just for my need. My whole point of going to the Word is find out who God is and how He's made me to become. That I do that. That I look for Him and allow the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me. I'm not going to have you turn back, but in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, Jeremiah uh, 31 and, and Ezekiel 36, you know, talks about how the, it's prophecies about the new covenant and talks about how, how the, 
He says, I will put my law in your minds, and I'll write it on your heart, and I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. And, and that, that is about the new covenant. When the new covenant was gone, it was put in there, and we became Christians. The, the word is inscribed on our heart, and, and what awakens that word in our lives is that when we come humbly before, not with any agenda, but to really learn about God and to learn about who he is. And so James, in James 1, he says with that picture, and, he, we, and he's talking to these Jewish Christians that, are, that um, are going through trials, are going through persecution. And he says, I want you to humbly accept the word that's planted in you. And this is the word that is in you, that you receive it, because he, he's already planted it in your heart. He's written the law on your heart. So when you hear it, when you hear this word, and when you study this word, this word becomes fuel for your life. You know, I, I've, I've made fun of Leviticus all my life because I hated Leviticus. Just to be honest with you. I just didn't like Leviticus. I didn't like the Levitical law. I didn't like to go through all that stuff. And, and so the Lord, he, he got me one time. I was making fun of it. And, he, and, he, and he, 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 the Holy Spirit said, no, I want you to study Leviticus. You know, I got so much out of Leviticus. It was nothing that I was going through. But I got so much out of studying. And uh, see, when you come humbly to the word, you say, God, um, what do you want me to study? What do you want me to hear? What do you want me to get from your word? You know, in verse 18, he says he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. There is life in this word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is how we are saved by the word of God is rooted in our hearts. And see, this word is a treasured possession. So when we receive it humbly, we come before the Lord and, and say, God, I, I lay everything down, my agendas and everything. I have needs, and my flesh just really wants to feel good right now. But I want, want to know what you want for me. I want to receive all that you have for me. So I'm going to lay away all this filth, all this junk from this world, I'm going, to lay all, I'm going to lay myself down. I'm going to lay my selfishness down, and I'm going to hear the word. I'm going to hear the word, and I'm going to receive it. Okay? So you come humbly, lay every, everything down. Number two, we remember the word constantly. We remember the word constantly. In, in, in verse 25, and he picks up with this analogy that he's co- contrasting here. And he says, the man who looks intently into the perfect law... That gives freedom. I love that word intently. It's a great word. The original language literally means this. To, it's a, it's to look at, at it with a penetrating absorption. Let that sink into you for a minute. That when I'm reading the word and I'm studying the word, I'm hearing the word of God. I'm supposed to look at it so it's going to absorb in me. That I'm looking so intently to the word that it's becoming, I'm, make, I'm bringing it into my life and I'm becoming what it, it's saying. I'm becoming what the word says. So it's, it, it's, it's to investigate, it's to study, it's to gaze on, it's to look on, into. And so when you look intently at the word, you're looking to find God and who he's made you to be. His son, his daughter. So look intently. And, and a lot of times in our busy life, we don't do that. We look briefly, right? We look just to get that one little devotion, one little, one little thing. 
But we don't look even more to that. And, and the danger is, is that we just, look, we just hear this word and we just leave it as such. But it's meant to chew on. It's meant to become part of you. Like you would chew on, I'm going to have a T-bone steak this afternoon. I just want you to know that. It's Father's Day. That's what I want it. I'm going to have a T-bone steak. And I'm going to chew on that steak. You know that bone around it? I will suck on that bone. I'm going to get every meat off that bone. How many, how many men do that? I mean, yeah, you are... You know how to eat a steak. And, um, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suck on that bone. And, and you know what's going to happen to that meat? It's going to become part of me. And I'm going to get a second one because I'm going to like it so much. It's Father's Day, right? See, the word is like that. Is that you chew on it, you suck it to the bone, you know. And it becomes part of who you are. You absorb it. So to really respond to the word is not respond to it, oh yeah, that was good. No, you, it's like put the knife and put the fork down and get it with your hands and shove it in your mouth and eat it. You open the word and you look at it intently. You're not content with just a little bit. You remember it. You study it, not forgetting it. This is the picture. Who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Not forgetting what he has heard. Let it absorb inside of you. And this would be a constant temptation for people of God to forget the word of God. You remember the sower, the seeds, and the different grounds. The enemy comes in to steal. As soon as you walk out of here today, if you don't continue to suck on this word, you will lose it. Right? I mean, I've done it. You've done it. Because we didn't continue with it. So to receive the word of God, to come before and respond to the word of God, is the honor the word deserves. Is to to chew on it. Is to think about it. Is to study it. We give you questions to ask yourself or in your small group or in your own study time just so you can continue to think about the Word of God that was taught on Sunday. That we won't become forgetful hearers. And James is very strong about this, talking about James. And he uses this ridiculous analogy of a man who looks himself at the mirror and then walks away and can't even pick himself out in a lineup. He forgets what he looks like. And, and, that, and that's so crazy to think of anybody being able to do that. It's, it's outlandish to look into the Word of God and to do the same. That we should remember the Word. That we hide it on us. We absorb it inside of us. And this is where we are. We, we put it on the table and we say, God, here it is. I, I want it. I desire it more than anything. And the best way to absorb the Word of God into our hearts and our minds is to saturate yourself with it. There's times, man, I will be saturating myself with, with one part of the Word of God over and over throughout the week. So I won't forget it. That I'll know it. Listen, I don't have a great memory all the time. I always can't remember things. But when I study and I just suck on, sometimes I'll suck on one scripture over and over and over again until I get it. Because it's so important. You know, Psalms 19 says the word is more precious than gold. It's much more than pure gold. It has value. 
It is a treasure that you want to remember it. Say, Sean, I, I just can't remember. That's just a lie. You can remember. If I would pay you $1,000 to remember a scripture each week, you would remember a scripture. You may start out with Jesus wept, the shortest one, but you're going to remember it, right? And if you get that messed up, I'll believe you. You can't remember anything. But it's something that we value. You know, when Jesus was tempted, what did he, how did he respond to temptation? The word. Because it was part of who he was. That's who he is. The word. That's our model. Jesus is the word. Then we should be the word. We should study it and become part of it. It changes your prayer life. It changes temptation. It changes everything about your life when you know the word of God and you can respond to it. Psalms 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So you let the word soak into you. You lead your families with the word. You, you lead them with studying even the word. You remember it. You don't forget it. You remember it constantly. Because if you forget it, James says it's very damning if you forget it. He says it's damning. And this is the picture. We remove all the filth, all the, the evil aside. We take time in the Word. Whether it's in your morning, you know, cut out a show, cut out some, some things that you, you know, just really waste time. And get into the Word of God. And do it. Take some time and just study the Word. And watch your life change when you do it. Because it's not only you're just listening. Because if you're just here on Sundays and that's all you get, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Because not only we have to humbly come to the Word and listen to the Word. And lay out every selfishness and everything. And that we need to remember the Word. But we also have to do the Word of God. So the third part is that we got to obey the Word wholeheartedly. So when you hide it in your hearts and on your minds, the door force of your house, you don't forget it. You hear the word. You receive it humbly. You remember the word constantly. And then you obey the word. And verse 22 is really the theme of the entire book of James. He says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And the bottom line is that that's what James, James is talking about. It invokes action. The word invokes action. And when you humbly come to it and you, and you remember the Word, you remember what has been taught, you remember what you've been studying, then it's going to produce action in your life. Because if there is no action, then there's been no acceptance of the Word. You know, someone, someone told me, said, Sean, I've heard all that before. I said, are you doing it? If you're not doing what the Word says, you have yet to really hear it. I mean, it's gone through one ear and out the other. That's not really listening. Right? Hearing. Is it becoming a part of you? You haven't accepted anything if it's not coming to action in our lives. And now, obviously, none of us are perfect in this. But what the picture is, when you accept the word of the Lord, when you receive Jesus humbly, his word is planted in you. It is moving you to, be in, to action. And you can tell if the word is in you. It's because something is happening on the outside of you. It is producing something on the outside of you. Because, listen, the Word is powerful. 
if you truly hear the word of God, it will produce something in your life. If you're only listening and not hearing where it's being put inside of you, it won't produce anything. Because the word is powerful. It can radically change your life. That's why the gospel is so important that people not only listen, but they hear the gospel where they receive it and it changes your life. I remember when I first heard the gospel. I never heard that before. I grew up in a non-Christian home. And when I heard the gospel, I mean, I, I wanted it. I thought I was a little too young. I was only 12 years old, but I thought I was too young. And so, but man, I'm so thankful that I received the gospel. I looked at it and said, man, I want this. I want what they're saying. I want it. And, and when I got it, it changed my life. Salvation is, is continuing in your life. You understand that? That when you hear the word, it's going to change even more about you. You know, that's what God had promised in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. That I'm going to put my word in you and it's going to change everything about your life. So when you accept it, you apply it. And this is the picture. And it sounds familiar, this last part of James 1, to the Sermon on the Mount. I told you at the very beginning that I'll, 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 I'll come back to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7 because James alludes to it quite a bit. And it, and it sounds like Matthew seven twenty one. He says this, Jesus said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does what? Does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And, that's, and then he closes out the Sermon on the Mount when he says this in verse 24. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and what? Puts them into practice. is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Doesn't that sound like trials here? Yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. So you heard it and you applied the word. Then he says, however, to those who hear the words of mine but does not put them in practice. Now this is not talking about the pagans here. This is talking about believers, the religious people who hear the word of God, but do, does not put in practice. He says, you're building your house on the sand. And Jesus says, when the rain came, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, it fell with a great crash. See, now the whole context of James is what? Menace, talking to a group of people who were going through trials from persecution. And he's saying, the only way out of trials is to put the word in action in your life. The only way to survive from the wind and the rain is to put the word into action in your life. And that's what he wants us to do. Your life doesn't go anywhere unless your life is built on hearing the words of Jesus and doing them. That's the only way your life is going to go anywhere. And so he says in verse 25 again, he says, the man who looks intently, I love this language, he switches around, he says, into the perfect law that gives freedom. The perfect law that gives freedom. Now he's not referring to an Old Testament Mosaic law. This is the law that's been perfected in Christ. These are the words of Christ, the truth of Christ that liberates us and frees us. And you know, as soon as you talk about obedience... In contemporary Christianity, obedience to the laws and commands, people throw up their hands and say legalism. 
And that's not what you're supposed to do. He's saying you run to the law because why? It brings freedom. You run to the word because it brings freedom. When you hear it and you do it, it brings freedom in you. And that's why Psalms 119 tells us, I run, in verse 32, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. We move towards the commands of Christ in such a way that James says you look intently and through the perfect law, you absorb it into you, you continue to do this, not forgetting what is heard, and you do it and he will be blessed in what he does. And this is the whole picture that James gives us, that we do this, but God enables us. By the Holy Spirit, He empowers us to obey His Word. And that's the grace of God. And that's the blessing of God. When I obey the Word wholeheartedly, I receive His Word humbly. I, re- I remember His Word consistently. But I obey His Word wholeheartedly. I will be blessed. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not under your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. And that's the whole heart of what James is saying to these people that are going through persecution, that are going through trials. He says, respond to the word by humbly accepting the word of God. Remembering the word constantly and obeying the word wholeheartedly. And you will be blessed when you do that. That you continue to understand that Christ is in you, that the word is implanted inside of you. And as you abide in him, his spirit moves in you so you can continue to do that, to trust his leadership, his word to lead you towards what is best. So I have a question I want to ask you, and I'm going to close with this. What areas of your life has, been, has God been saying, do this, and you have not done it? What areas of your life have you heard the word but you've put it to the side and have not done the word. What areas? Because maybe that's the exact place that God wants you to be at right now. It may, be, may, may not be a place that gives you goosebumps, right? That you'll jump up and down and say, hallelujah. Maybe a place that you need to put into action. And as you do that, you will be blessed. You will see freedom when you do this. You will have freedom. So what areas is that? Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe you need to forgive somebody. Maybe it's, um, maybe you need to give. Maybe you become a giver in your finances or your time. Maybe it's in service. You need to serve. Maybe it's in honor, that you need to honor somebody. Maybe it's in the area of worship or the area of prayer, that you need to spend more time praying. Where is it in your life that um, you need to obey the Lord in? So bow your heads, close your eyes.